This is Live On Purpose Radio, episode 490, Two Determinant Paradigms, Victim or Agent. Now is the only time to create and live the life you love. I'm Dr. Paul Jenkins, the positivity psychologist. My job is to connect you to powerful positive psychology principles that immediately upgrade your relationships, business, and mental health. Are you ready? Let's jump in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, a shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. And I realized coming into today's episode that I have not shared this with you, my podcast friends. This is something that is so key, so important to our psychological functioning. And it has to do with paradigm. Now, paradigm is a fancy word. It means worldview or mindset. It's your way of seeing things. So sometimes I, I compare a paradigm to a pair of eyeglasses. And go here with me for just a moment. When you put on a pair of sunglasses, for example, or maybe some tinted lenses, what happens to the way you see things? So if I were to give you a pair of glasses, eyeglasses that are tinted green, what would the world look like to you as you put those lenses on your face? It would be green, right? Suddenly you're living in the Emerald City. Your lawn looks awesome. Your spouse, not so much. Um, now, does this mean the world is green? No. It simply means that the world looks green to you because of the lenses through which you're viewing it. Well, what if we switch those out for those proverbial rose-colored glasses that we've all heard about? Well, now the, the world suddenly looks more rosy. Did the world change? No. But the way you see the world changes drastically depending on the lenses that you're wearing. Now, I have to give you a little psychological warning here. Because our brain is designed to keep us safe and to prove us right. And one of the things that our brain does to prove us right is that it tells us that whatever we're used to seeing is normal. Let me give you an example of this, a very compelling example from Dr. George Stratton. This occurred over 100 years ago in 8. 1996, Dr. Stratton wrote a paper about his experience as he was, he was doing some studies about human perception. And he wanted to see what would happen if he developed a pair of eyeglasses that turned everything upside down. So picture that for a moment. What a strange experiment. Now, he had a lot of reasons for wanting to do this. You might be aware that the lens of your eye actually inverts everything that comes in through your eye. And the image, if we were to look at it projected on the, on the retina, it would be upside down. And so what he was doing is reversing that so that the image would actually be correctly oriented on the back of the retina. Anyway, he wanted to see what would happen. He couldn't get anybody to sign up for this study. So he put these glasses on himself. 
And as you can imagine, at first he is bumping around. He's having a hard time getting through his own house. Can you imagine what it would be like filling a, a cup of water at the sink? Or are you filling it down? I don't know. Well, after a few days, he got used to it. You know how you kind of accommodate, right? You adjust, you adapt. So he's not bumping into things as often. On day eight, this is how long he stuck with it, folks. On day eight, something really remarkable happened. And maybe you've heard about this in your general psychology class sometime. Everything looked normal on day eight. Think about that for just a minute. I am not saying that, oh, he got used to it. No, that happened earlier. Okay, he got used to it. He, he adapted, he adjusted. But on day eight, his perception was correct. In other words, the whole world looked normal to him. This freaked him out a little bit. So he took those goggles off and now everything was upside down. He had to adjust back, which didn't take eight days, thankfully. But what he proved through that little experiment was that our brain will correct whatever our perceptions are to make it look normal to us. What you perceive looks normal to you doesn't mean that that's the way the world is. So please keep that in mind as we discuss these two determinant paradigms. And I'm not talking about, when I say the victim paradigm and the agent paradigm, I am not talking about a victim of abuse or a victim of crime or of circumstance. I'm talking about a victim pair of eyeglasses, a victim way of seeing the world. And go back to George Stratton for just a minute. We do this all the time. When you put on a pair of, of sunglasses, for example, do you notice at first everything looks darker, right? It doesn't mean the world is darker. It just looks darker to you because you put on the glasses. Well, what happens after an hour or two or three? As you're wearing those glasses, your brain starts to tell you this is normal. Everything looks normal. You don't notice that it's darker anymore. It just looks normal to you. You take the glasses off. It's going to look too bright. Just notice that your brain does this. This is so important because your brain will tell you that whatever you're used to seeing is normal. And as I said earlier, that doesn't mean you're right. That doesn't mean that's the way the world is. Okay, so let's go back to these two paradigms. The victim and the agent. These are on opposite sides. And there's different descriptions of these depending on who or what you're reading. But really, I've seen this to be very, very consistent in the personal development, the psychology and self-help literature that I'm very familiar with, there's always these same two paradigms that show up and different people have different descriptors for them. Let's look at the, the victim paradigm is where we are, we are in a mode of blame, okay? It's not my fault, look! And then you point to whatever you think is the cause of your misery, okay? It's a blame. The, the finger is always pointed towards something or someone or some circumstance that is causing 
the feelings that we're having. That's a victim paradigm as opposed to the agent paradigm. Instead of blame, we're talking now about responsibility. In my book, Pathological Positivity, I break the world, I break the word responsibility into two words, response, ability. I did this because when I looked up the word responsibility, it, it included as one of the definitions, blame. Who's to blame? We got to get away from blame. Responsibility is not blaming. It's acknowledging your ability to respond. Some of you have heard me tell a story before about driving in southern Utah. And have you ever done this? Where you're out driving, you get lost in your thoughts. You kind of, you're engaged in a podcast or on a phone call or whatever, okay? And you go right past your exit. You just breeze right by. I did this when I was traveling in southern Utah. I knew I had missed my exit when I saw the big colorful sign. Arizona welcomes you. And I'm looking around. I'm in the desert of Arizona. This isn't even the right state. Now, I love Arizona, but that's not where I was headed. I didn't think I was headed. And then I look down and guess whose hands I see on my steering wheel. Yeah, they're mine. And this bites a little because there's a little moment when we take responsibility for where we are in life. Now, this is the agent paradigm. We have to look down and see our own hands on the wheel. It's going to sting just a little when you realize, oh, I am where I am because I drove here. It's my choices. It's my feet that walked to this position. It's my hands that turned this steering wheel that got me to where I am now. And that's not blaming yourself. Let me just clarify. Blaming yourself is still a victim paradigm. All right, but responsibility is seeing your own hands on the wheel, swallow hard, whatever you have to do, because the bad news is also the good news. If your hands are on the wheel, what can you do now? Yes, you can turn it, you can steer it, you can take this thing wherever you want to. See, victims can't do that. Their hands aren't on the wheel. They're too busy blaming. I, I spent... 13 years of my career doing child custody evaluations for the court as an expert in child custody. Bitter, angry, divorcing people can't figure out how to share their kids. The court sends me in to try to sort that out. And guess who all of these bitter, angry, divorcing people were blaming for all of their problems and their misery? You guessed it, the ex. Look at the trap that is. How soon is the X going to make everything okay for me? Do you see the trap? But when we blame, that's what we're doing. We're deferring responsibility to someone or something outside of us. And how soon are you expecting that your enemy or whoever it is that you're blaming is going to make this all okay for you? I realized at one point in my life, when I hit an economic low, I talk about this in pathological positivity as well. Chapter one is called lightning strikes. We actually ended up in a position of bankruptcy. 
And I was blaming, at the time I was blaming the economy. I was blaming my previous business partner. I was blaming this and that and the other thing for where I was. It's not my fault. And I didn't realize I was in that victim paradigm. Here's another aspect. In, in a victim paradigm, we're waiting because we're blaming. We're also waiting for someone or something else to rescue us. And that's where I was. I had an opportunity to interview Mary Louise Zeller. She is in her late 70s, sixth degree black belt in Taekwondo. This grandma can kick you to next Wednesday. And I'm having an interview with this inspiring woman who says to me, Paul, the troops aren't coming. And she paused for a minute to let that sink in. And then she said, we are the troops. Did you see her so masterfully illustrate to me the difference between a victim paradigm, oh, somebody will rescue me, and the agent paradigm, the troops aren't coming, we are the troops. And she might as well have kicked me. I'm glad she didn't because that would have really hurt. <laughs> but she opened my eyes to the fact that I was sitting there in a victim corner in fetal position waiting for who? For what? For the guys I had invested with? Some of them are in prison still. How soon are they going to fix my economic problem? Am I waiting for the economy to change? Guess what? The economy changes daily. And how long am I willing to wait for something or someone outside of me? And I saw myself there in that victim corner. And her wake-up call to me helped me to see I have a choice. I can choose the agent paradigm. Instead of waiting for someone to rescue me, what's it going to take? What can I do here and now with what I have? Do you feel that? It's such an energizing approach. Here's another element. In a victim paradigm, there is scarcity. There's never enough. There's not enough time. There's not enough love, money, attention, whatever it is. And it usually starts first thing in the morning. Oh, I didn't get enough sleep last night. I know I'm guilty of it too, but just notice it. It's such a victim paradigm and way of thinking as opposed to on the agent side. What's the opposite of scarcity? Abundance. Abundance means there is plenty. There is ample. There is enough and to spare. And when we look at the world that way, we show up very differently. See, people in scarcity tend to collect and hoard and cling. People in abundance give and put to use all of the resources that come under their control. There's such a different energy there. Here's another one in the victim paradigm. Why me? It's usually said in a whiny voice, too. We call these whiners or why babies. It, it, why me? Why now? Why this? Why us? Ugh. What's the opposite? Now, consider this for just a minute. This is powerful. Why not me? Why not me? 
See, people in a victim paradigm don't even think to ask that. But in an agent paradigm, it's an excellent question and it changes the energy. I had a young man who I was seeing years ago. Uh, This was so powerful and profound for me because I got to see this kid when he was about seven. His parents dragged him in here to talk to Dr. Paul. He had been abused by a couple of older boys in the neighborhood. Okay. And don't get me started on abuse. The thing I hate the most about abuse is how it teaches and trains and educates people to think in a victim paradigm because they're a legitimate victim of a crime or of abuse. But the problem, the long lasting problem is that it trains them to think like a victim. And I've seen a lot of people who have experienced abuse who are not in a victim paradigm. And I could give you examples, but you probably know some too. Well, here's this kid. I worked with him. I didn't want him to start thinking like a victim. He had great supportive parents. We, I don't know, we worked for maybe three or four months and sent him on his way. He's doing good. Okay. He got it. And I asked, I, I asked him at the time, what kind of kids get abused? And he's like, I don't know. He's seven, right? And I'm like, here's the answer. It's the kind who are available to an abuser. It's not your fault. It's not because you deserve it. All kinds of kids experience abuse, and it's just because of the bad choices of an abuser. He got it, okay? Anyway, let's fast forward now 10 years. He's back in my office. He's 17 years old now, and it's happening again. This time, it's a high school sports coach who is now doing time in prison because this is not cool to abuse the kids on his team. Well, my client was one of those kids. Him and a couple of other boys were being abused by their their coach. And he's here again. He's breaking down on my couch. He's in tears. Dr. Paul, why me? Why, Why me? Why me? I've already been through this, okay? You can see which paradigm he's slipping into. But I know he's capable of this. And I listened for a few minutes. Okay, I have empathy and compassion for people who go through that. And then I wanted to get his attention. And I said, David, why not you? And he's 17. He looks at me like, shut up. But then it clicked for him. I said, David, remember, what kinds of kids get abused? And then and he was remembering and he rolled his eyes a little bit. He's like, I know, it's the kind who are available to an abuser. And I said, then why not you? And besides, which of your friends would you trade places with? Name somebody. Who do you want to name to take your place? Well, he couldn't think of anybody. He wouldn't wish that on his worst enemy. He didn't want to to throw one of his friends under the bus. And, And I said, and besides, look how well equipped you are to deal with this. You've got a counselor you can already talk to. He'd already known me for a decade. He has supportive parents, okay? I pointed some of these things out to him. He starts to straighten up. And he says to me, Dr. Paul, I've got this. Oh man, that just energized me. I was like, oh, you so rock. Dude, yes, you've got this. Why not you? And he, he had more of a bring it on attitude instead of a cower in the corner attitude. 
Now, notice we didn't change the fact that he was abused. What changed? His paradigm. I call these determinant paradigms, not because it changes what it is. What it is just is what it is. And sometimes we don't get to choose it, and we don't get to change it, like David with his abusers. But what do we get to choose? We get to choose our paradigm. Is it going to be a victim paradigm, a why me paradigm, a blame paradigm, a scarcity paradigm, or are we choosing the agent paradigm? Why not me? Think about this in another context. Car accidents. What kind of people get into car accidents? Now, you might be tempted to say, well, drunk people, distracted people. Yes. And who do they hit? <laughs> you, me, my wife and kids. So what kind of people get into car accidents? The best answer I can think of is the kind who get into cars. So why not you? Oh, but Dr. Paul, I'm a good driver. Yeah, right. We've already discussed that. And by the way, something like 95% of the drivers on the road would rate their driving skills as above average. That's not even mathematically possible. <laughs> but it's kind of funny that we have those perceptions. Look, if you're going to engage in this earth life, you are going to encounter difficulties including abuse, including car accidents, including all kinds of other things that could happen. You've already experienced it, I know. Why not you? You are a legitimate human being who is fully qualified to experience legitimate human experiences, including the pleasant ones and including the, the painful ones. Now, which paradigm? Are you going to choose? Let me get to this last part because it is so important. I call these determinant paradigms because they determine a particular outcome. And this is absolutely predictable from everything that I've seen in my 30 years of clinical experience and over half a century on the planet. The outcome, the predictable outcome of the victim paradigm is captivity in some form. One of the most common ways people describe this is feeling stuck. Okay, does that sound like captivity to you? But it ranges from stuck to the more extreme level of incarceration, which is also captivity. And I've had the privilege to serve some of our brothers and sisters in prison uh, through keynotes and trainings and other services that I volunteer at the state prison. Guess what? Most, if not all of them, are there because of some level of victim thinking that caused them to show up in ways that had them being arrested. Now, I know that's a general statement, but I think that there's a strong argument for it. The absolute predictable outcome of the agent paradigm is liberty. That word, I chose that word because it's synonymous with freedom, but it kind of goes to the opposite of captivity. Which one are we going to choose? We are free to choose our paradigm. We are not free to choose 
the consequences thereof, except to the extent that we choose our paradigm. And I guarantee, as a professional psychologist, if you choose victimhood as a paradigm, you're going to experience some kind of captivity. If you choose the agent paradigm, you will create for yourself and others freedom, liberty. How does that sound to you? Now, if this is resonating with you, I've got one other question for you, too. Do you have a coach? Because if you don't have a coach, I got several, okay? I'm a professional psychologist, and I certify life coaches, and I hire coaches to work with me because we don't always see it inside of our own paradigm. It's kind of like we're inside of a bottle. We need somebody to read the label to us. And that's what coaching is all about. If you don't have a coach yet, get in the room. Come on over. Let me help you. Go to liveonpurposeradio.com forward slash help. You got that? It's the name of this podcast, Live On Purpose Radio, all one word, dot com forward slash help. And you can jump into my coaching platform, Live On Purpose Central. If that's a good fit for you, I'd be honored to be on your team. Hey, you rock. You've got this. Choose, choose wisely, because that will determine the outcomes. I'll see you in the next episode. Did you get what you came for? Give yourself the gift of taking real action on what you realized today. Please share this episode with someone you know would value it and leave us a rating too. It's time now to live on purpose. <laughs>